0: Welcome 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 to Bard's Backlog episode number 2. I am your moderator and host Josh Caegos and alongside me of course my co-host the casual Jared Benson. Jared how you doing? Hello everyone. I'm great. It's so good to be here. So uh, how's life Jared? I know we just talked briefly but just in general, where like how are you in life right now? Is it all going pretty well?
1: is you know I like that I I just like that amount of work that's a good amount for me or else I go I go nuts (laughs) keeping busy
0: no it's it's very healthy to remain on that level of busyness like at least for some people some people it overwhelms but I know for me that's definitely where I'm at right now in my recovery stage like the biggest thing I'm like really focusing on is scheduling lots of stuff and doing lots of stuff helps me just stay energized stay focused um and At the same time, though, there's a balance. You know, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. And I definitely have done that quite a few times in the past. But uh, life right now for me also pretty good, pretty busy. I don't think I'm that busy. I think I'm probably working like 30 hours a week max right now. But it's good work, and uh, I'm glad that you're doing well as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a good balance. I don't have too many extra projects. Like you have projects. I just have work. You know what I mean? So (laughs) yeah, I think it, I think it evens out with the amount of time that you put into your projects and and the things you have going on versus how much I work, you know? I
0: mean, and you like, this is, this is work for you as well. Of course, we're uh, getting together and having this conversation uh, at my behest as I've, I feel like I'm, I I don't want to, well, Never mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop that thought right there because I don't want to dive into anything too crazy. But with that in mind, let's go ahead and jump into the podcast and talk through what we're going on. We're going to be doing here. Of course, this is Bard's Backlog, the newly monikered video game podcast by me, Josh Gallegos, and. Uh, we are here to be talking about all sorts of podcasts and top, or video games in a topical setup. We're going to cover games that are going to be potentially entered into our Hall of Games. I have officially put the previous games that are now from the archive to my favorite video game into the Hall of Games already. Last week, we did an in-depth dive into The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And of course... Um, Like always, you guys can submit questions, comments, concerns, feedback. Um, If you guys want to call stupid, you can do that. All sorts of things via our Twitters, of course, mine, Video Game Bard, and Mr. Benson is... uh, At
1: Jared T. Ben.
0: Yes, at Jared T. Ben. Sorry, I'm trying to look up a particular thing right now because we actually got some feedback. Speaking of, and actually was sent to my email... Uh, Josh R. Gallegos at gmail.com. I guess you guys can submit things that way as well. But this from Wesley Pitcher, a friend of the podcast who wrote in. Wesley says, hey, Josh, as you can see from my email, this is Wesley Pitcher. Yes. (laughs) How's it going, Wesley? (laughs) How you doing, man? Just discovered your podcast. I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of your episodes. Have you ever played the Zero Escape series? I discovered that series last year, and it's easily one of my favorite game series now. It's a puzzle game mixed with a visual novel, and it's known for its plot twists and turns. Once you get into it, it'll grip you until you finish. The first game is only like 10 hours from start to finish, but the second game, which is somehow even better, and lauded than the first, is easily like 30 to 40 hours from start to finish. Anyway, as a new listener, would love to hear some spoiler cast to hear your thoughts on games like that. Hope you're doing well. Well, thank you, Wesley. Actually, um, when you sent this email in, Wesley, this was the first time I had really gotten someone who knew the series. I've heard the name, and I I was under the impression that it was sort of a visual novel-type setup. I know it's very anime, from what I understand. And uh, I love games like that. I've never actually touched a Zero Escape game. Do you know anything about these games, Jared? I
1: don't, but it sounds like it's my cup of tea. I'd love to try it
0: yeah i mean maybe we'll jump into it at some point i'd have to see what platforms it's on and everything i don't think there are any for the nintendo switch so we might hit a bit of a barrier there since that's where we're primarily playing games for this podcast but uh zero escape good recommendation there from wesley if you guys are interested uh in that sort of game and it, it might just be a game that we discuss at some point here uh, with that in mind, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the first segment for this week, The Games We Play In. Now, Jared, I see you have here a game that I brought up last week. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Tell me about that.
1: So it is, you know, to be honest, I'm I'm a little behind the curve, obviously, but I am loving the format. I grew up on Melee. Uh, I grew up, you know, trying, trying to break into the tournament scene and failing. I'm just not that good. <laughs> that's <laughs> when I adopted the moniker, casual Jared, yeah,
0: <laughs> deep in my subconscious, kind of and those, I, I've been in denial.
1: <laughs> I've been in denial until I finally have just decided to own it, but um, Melee is such a technical game, and but, but it also is limited in the sense um, I mean it's an expansion on the N64 version with a, a better character sheet but at the same time it's limited in just the available characters at the time Brawl is one step up with a broader expanse of characters and Ultimate is Ultimate in that sense it is the most technical and beautiful parts of Melee combined with the, one of the largest rosters you can ever see in a fighting game uh, and it's just fantastic all around yeah, no, it's a fantastic game. I'm
0: glad you're able to jump into it. Um, of course, I was talking about it last week. Going through and unlocking all the characters is a blast. Yep. Being able to see how much Nintendo history is just stuffed into this one title is insane. That was one thing I fell in love with. Brawl was my uh, bread and butter. I never had a GameCube, so Melee was missed. Uh, and every time I've tried to go back and play it, I I was able to grab a copy about five or six years ago. It is fast, I did not realize it oh, compared yeah. to compared to even ultimate it is like people are bouncing around incredibly fast, everyone's uh doing all kinds of technical things, especially at the higher tier levels like you mentioned yeah. I didn't realize you were an aspiring uh competitive, yeah at the on- time
1: at the time I came into um I came into the tournament scene um or tried to in two thousand thirteen. Um, to be honest with you, 2013 could be considered uh, one of the most hype years of Melee's uh, long-standing career. Brawl, okay. Brawl coming out after Melee was a bit of a disappointment because of how technical it was. But if you want to see some good gameplay, go ahead and look up Mango versus Leffen uh, on on Melee Super Smash Brothers Melee. They play in a tournament, and it is some of the most gorgeous technical work you'll ever see playing Fox um, the character Fox from Super Smash Bros. Melee. It is just so hype. You will you will, your mind will be blown. I think
0: it's it's interesting that the game is so technical because lots of people when they first jump into Smash Bros kind of just see chaos. Yes. <laughs> and it can be incredibly chaotic obviously with all the items and everything. And they don't use those typically at the high levels,
1: but from what I um, understand, you know, Nintendo created a masterpiece accidentally super smash brothers melee was given like 13 months to be developed and they accidentally created something that was just stunningly beautiful and nintendo rejected the tournament scene of melee at first they said no this is not what we want nintendo's known for their party games obviously mario party Um, even luigi's mansion as we're going to talk about in a little bit has some of a party feel to it um but super smash brothers melee being so technical with tight hitboxes uh with just the way that they had designed that had accidentally created a super uh advanced and difficult to play game uh and so when brawl rolled around they kind of resisted that and they wanted to go more towards yeah, the party yeah. feel and then obviously some of the fans were disappointed they faced constant backlash in tournaments uh brawl was nixed from you know a couple tournaments because it just doesn't live up to um, the standard that Melee had set, and then well, we could go into this, but Project M rolled around, and then finally we have a gorgeous product in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, uh, in which the format is very much—it's both. You could do casual, and you could do serious, right, right. just the way that it's set up. So it's it's a stunning game. I'm so glad I'm finally getting into it.
0: It's it's for sure the ultimate. The wealth of options there, insane. Are you are you finding it as satisfying as
1: Melee on the? Uh, technical side of things so what I what I feel like is that you know there has to be a balance because if you create um such a gap between the tiers of players you know you know some s tier player plays you know a beginner if there is no if there is like no path to greatness then you'll just you'll hate the game jumping into it so there has to be a ceiling on it maybe a little lower than there was on melee but I find that Yes, I am enjoying it quite as much as Melee because my cap is a lot lower <laughs> than a typical uh, professional. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it.
0: So, how do you – how do you when you set up the matches and everything, what are your – because you have here rules first, stage characters. What's, like, your go-to rule setup?
1: My go-to rule setup is a four-stock match that's got a cap on it of, like, five minutes max. Um, okay. I prefer no items, but then again, that's just my typical, like, serious format. Like, let's get into it. Let's play seriously and try to beat each other. Other than that, I don't really touch the rules too much. I leave it sitting at, like, two and a half minutes because it's quick. And then, you know, from there, it's fine. Um, But uh, then my stage, anything flat and simple with a couple platforms. And then my go to character right now, as I'm just testing the waters out, is Captain Falcon and Samus. Um, Okay. Those are my two go tos, but yeah.
0: I don't understand how they're able to especially with ultimate balance so many characters. Like at least on melee like it was a limited amount of people and all of them are all very technical and proficient. With this, what is it like 70 plus, maybe even 80 now yep. characters. Yep. And they're all so unique and all have so many different abilities. And the ones that they're adding now are almost even stronger and like more crazy yeah. than the rest. So I like, know. I don't. I
1: know you're a Persona Five fan. Joker is considered one of the better characters. He's in yeah the one or two top tiers um, constantly.
0: Yeah, I love following the meta. I haven't done it in a, probably since last year. There's, like really paying attention to the different um, ins and outs of it and how it's changed, but. I love being able to see that, like uh, whenever people put together tier lists and stuff, picking out the characters at the top. And yep, um, I like to use the characters that I use against them and try to become proficient against them in that way, but never for anything competitive. So uh, I've never quite gone into it at that level like you. Uh, with that in mind, you also have Homescapes. What is this game written down here?
1: So Homescapes is a mobile game. Um, now during my job, there's there's periods where I'll have maybe like 20 to 30 minutes of downtime just in between tasks and uh, you know I'll pick up a mobile game and play it. And uh, This is a gem. This is a gem of a game. It is Candy Crush, but I call it the Candy Crush Killer. It's the same format that you're familiar with. Get three in a row, get four in a row, power up, that kind of thing. Uh, clear levels. But the difference is how how much easier it is to enjoy candy crush okay. candy crush has this whole you know some of the maps depending you know if you play the saga it's like linear you know you just have a slightly 3d map and then you're heading in right. one direction and it seems endless whereas this game you essentially are in a mansion and you're constantly un- unlocking and refurbishing new rooms in the house. Oh. Yeah, so you you get into the property and you do the garden outside, um you can do the garage, you re- you restore an old car, you follow kind of like a loose not comic book strictly format but like a, a, yeah. a, a narrative story that you follow there's a lot of pleasant and easy to understand and enjoy characters and then you can look forward to the progress that you will make and will unlock right now the game is capped at like i don't know three thousand and 3665 levels i think and they're they're adding new material all the time so it's how, it's how did great. you find it you know, out I of just all the games out there. It's just I, I don't know. They advertised it well on Instagram, I think, and I chose it because it looked funny or whatever, and then it's <laughs> it's super addicting. It's visually more appealing than Candy Crush. Uh I'm a sucker for some nice, vibrant colors, obviously. And and it's one of the key differences is that Homescape's music is easy listening style. It's so pleasant okay. to listen to. You can actually play the game with the music on. Um I and it's you know I can't find too many games that are like that. Most of the right, most of yeah. the sounds are like canny and tinny and stuff. But no, I I love everything about Homescapes and would recommend it over Candy Crush any day. It's just so much so, more enjoyable.
0: So you're matching 3 and then as you do that you're going like through the house and And fixing different parts of it yeah kind of how it like connects to the gameplay yep
1: it follows a nice kind butler named austin and he shows up at his parents house (laughs) and their um their home has fallen into disrepair over the years and so he goes through room by room bedroom living room and you actually get to choose how he refurbishes it so for like um the carpet or the banisters on the railing or something like that or a fish tank even you get to choose from three options And you put it in place, you can constantly change it and update it and match and interior decorate a little bit. And um, I don't know. It's just very, very pleasant all around to play.
0: Well, good pick. I mean, uh, with that being said, like mobile games are definitely so proficient now. People are playing them out the wazoo. I, for one, one of the games I was playing actually meant to write down and didn't, and you reminded me, um, is a mobile game called Super Mario Run. Now, it's a Nintendo game, obviously. It was one of their first... I think it might have been their first crack at the mobile market. Mm. They have a lot more on the on the mobile market now through the Fire Emblem series and Animal Crossing and even Dr. Mario and Mario Kart. But this was their first attempt at it, and you can tell because they didn't use a lot of the gacha mechanics that the other games have. Instead of it being, like, microtransactions where you can purchase upgrades or, you know, lots of games have, like... A limited amount of plays you can play like five and then you have to wait 15 minutes to do something else i don't know if homescapes is that way hopefully not but uh those sorts of games are just set up to make many amounts of money here and there off of people mario run is not that way at all instead it's a one purchase a ten dollar purchase i think you're before that you can download it for free and play like the first few worlds um, or first few levels um and After the purchase, it's essentially a full-fledged Mario game in the palm of your hands, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, It's one-touch perfection, is what I call it. You really only have to play it with your thumb um, or your fingers. Like, just one, you're not really having to do a whole lot of... Mario runs on his own, so you're just paying attention to the technicality of the jumps and everything. Is this like
1: Flappy Bird a little bit? Um, (laughs) uh, Maybe not. Like,
0: Flappy Bird's very specific in that it's endless. These aren't endless... Okay. runners like runner levels he has a beginning and then at the end, of course you got the signature flagpole that Mario jumps on. Each of the levels are built specifically for mobile, but it's just the way that he moves that's just when I say one touch perfection the way that they've just like honed in on Mario's jumping and on his even dashing abilities here he he climbs things automatically, which is nice. He'll do like little flips over things if you hit the button at the right time or if you touch the screen at the right time, I guess, because there's no buttons. Um, and when you're jumping off of enemies and everything, like, it just feels incredibly smooth and almost even more smooth than the console games because it does run on its own. You're so focused on just the jumping that it really just feels awesome as you go through these full-fledged Mario levels. And they have a mode called Tour, or no, uh, Rally, where you are rallying up um friendly toads to be on your side and that one's purely based on tricks and style as you run through levels you play against a ghost Hmm. typically um someone else who's already played through the level and uh you just try and rack up as many points as you can and it's actually very addicting and a ton of fun they're short sweet perfect for mobile and the game just in general is great i would recommend it even i think it's well worth the ten dollar price tag that it comes with um Unfortunately, I don't think it did super well because Nintendo hasn't done that style since. And all their other games are a lot more, I don't know, mobile bull crap, I guess you could call it. Mm. uh, As opposed to this game, which really does feel like a full-fledged Mario game. So I've been playing that. I've also been playing um, another platformer-ish game called Dead Cells. This has been my go-to in between our uh, Luigi's Mansion sessions that I've been having uh, of course, we're going to be talking about Luigi's Mansion in a little bit. Dead Cells is a roguelike Metroidvania that is made for speedrunners, and it is awesome. Honestly, I want us to talk about this game at some point because it really has won my heart, and as it were, recently. You play as a amorphous blob that jumps onto corpses, headless corpses, which is great and you run through these levels collecting different items facing all kinds of enemies and it's just fast-paced it's every time it's different of course the runs themselves end up could end up being close to a half hour depending on how much you're staying on top of you know healing yourself and being aware of what's going on in the environment and and fighting of course the enemies and whatnot you can do a full run, but it's roguelike in that as you die, you get put back at the very beginning and you have to do a fresh, brand new run into the world of Dead Cells again. Um, I really, I really can't say enough about it. It's fast. It's inventive. I love the little bits and pieces of lore that they put in everywhere. You're stuck essentially in this... Um, You start in a dungeon and you work your way up the castle and the whole point is to face the king at the end. I haven't even gotten to the end. It's a very difficult and technical game, especially the further you get into the levels. Um, You improve your health as you go along. You unlock different perks that you can add to your character. And, of course, all kinds of different items and weapons that can be used. My favorite being a pan. It's actually literally just a frying pan that you can (laughs) whack people with. And And if they're facing you, you get tons of critical damage on them which is great it really does add like these little each of the weapons is differently set up in that way there's like a triple dagger where on your third hit you'll do a critical hit and those can be nice to pull off you get a shield to use for parrying against people Um, they even have like electrical whips and all kinds of different stuff in it that um, makes each run feel totally different and depending on what you grab you could really be on top of taking people down, or you could be at a disadvantage. I noticed with a couple of the weapons, like they just didn't work well against some of the bosses that you face, and it made those all the more terrifying and difficult. Even though um, the game itself is accessible, it has that level of scalability in its difficulty, and I, I just love it for that. Um, so that's Dead Cells, another game that I've been playing. So, Mario Run, Dead Cells, and then the last game that I was touching on these last couple weeks in between this and the previous episode is a game called New Super Lucky's Tale. Now, I was very... I was I felt very critical going into the game because I I didn't really know what to expect. It kind of seemed like a kids game. It definitely is a kids game, but it's it's a little more than that, which I was pleasantly surprised to find. I call it Mario 64 Lite because it has the typical levels that you jump into. It even has little portraits of the game or of the level that you can dive into, just like in Mario 64 back in the day. Um, It is a platformer through and through, a 3D platformer, so you're jumping around, you're collecting coins and other items, little um, letters that spell out lucky just like you could do in, like, a Donkey Kong game. Mm -hmm. And you essentially are just 3D platforming everywhere in these cute, quaint little worlds, and it's great. The characters themselves are funny. There's, like, this whole world of Western worms they are, like, straight from, like, Uh, old west movie but they're spitting tobacco and eating all kinds of um, (laughs) dirt and stuff because they're worms and it's it's a bizarre interesting little game and i really really enjoyed it i was surprised how much i was able to get into it for being such a simplistic looking game but i mean as far as 3d platformers go it can be really hard to nail an actual quality jump an actual quality um Sorry, someone just walked into my room threw me off. Um, the, the, just the, the feel of the game can be really hard to nail, but they've managed to nail it really well here. They have a really cool burrowing mechanic where Lucky goes under the ground and then pops back up. That really makes the game feel speedy and a little bit more um, like you're in control as opposed to just running and jumping. So it's a fantastic game, one that I would recommend anybody who likes 3D platformers. I was thoroughly surprised how much I ended up enjoying it on the Switch. So uh, that's New Super Lucky's Tale.
1: And Benson, I see you adding in one more game here. Tell me about that. I just wanted to make a quick, quick interjection. I I got Super Mario Party. I played one game, and I love it. More to come. We could talk about that later for sure, but I absolutely love it
0: is was it a party like you did it with a group of people? yeah
1: i did it with some friends yeah
0: nice yeah no that's that's the way to do it and that's the way to play that game and it can be a ton of fun if everyone's into it so super mario party yeah we'll definitely discuss that at some point i'd love to be able to take that on as part of our pick of the week and what we decide to go into the hall of games Um, with that being said, I'm going to actually shift around a little bit of how this podcast goes, and we're going to dive into the default segment before we get into the game. Now, for this default segment, I wanted to theme it around what we're talking about today, Jared, and I just have one question for you. Genuinely, do you, Jared Benson, believe in ghosts?
1: Ugh, I don't want to get technical on you, but what do you mean by ghost? (laughs) <laughs> well maybe not
0: like the like the species that exists in luigi's mansion but <laughs> i don't know like spirits like this the realm of the spiritual maybe you could add yes like, absolutely like, the, but specifically with like people being left behind like where they you know a lot of the times people's spirits are left in an area because of something bad that happened or because they didn't fulfill something in their life
1: is that is that where you would be at or is it a different type of explanation maybe you know i've heard some crazy theories over the years i think it's i think there is definitely some um some an a, a, you know another dimension perhaps the fourth or the fifth in which that dimension can overshadow this one in which we live in the, the third dimension um and and can influence hmm. things like just like you would cast a shadow over a two-dimensional Situation: The fourth dimension may cast a shadow over the third, and so uh, we live in the third here. And I think that it's one of two things: it's either supernatural entities that have nothing to do with human beings, like they are their own angels, demons, whatever you want to call them, or, sure. or there's another theory that's kind of wild. Um, I heard when I was younger, I grew up evangelical, of course, and uh, I heard that hell is actually in the center of the earth. Uh, And that the core of the earth is actually hell itself, which is why Satan was cast down to earth instead of cast off to like a planet or cast into hell directly is cast to earth because it is part and parcel of that whole package. Um, When the fall came, it became cursed and that's where hell was found in the core of the earth. Wild, wild theory. No, obviously, substantiative. There's nothing. There's no way to. (laughs) <laughs> prove that, or find that out. Or you anything. gave me goosebumps just talking about it. It's though. crazy, and I, it's a crazy idea. And it's not, you know, so unbelievable. I've believed crazier things, but, um, but the idea that perhaps spirits from hell itself maybe rise to the surface occasionally, uh, maybe in 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 portions or parts of the world in which they were from, which they died tragically, in which they were violently taken from the world, perhaps there's something eerily haunting about you know a, a house in which someone was murdered there is something yeah. eerily haunting about the grounds in which Auschwitz and some other holocaust locations were um there's something eerily haunting about places that are dedicated to the dead and it there's also been times in my life in which i felt you know a presence you know i know that sounds kind of weird yes. but like you feel a presence and then the next no, i agree the next that, day sure. the same situation the same darkness level it's there's not it's not there and so it's like, I, I, I don't know. There's been moments, and I think children, the reason they get nightmares are because they're extra sensitive to those types of presences and they're mm. extra impressionable. That's all I'm going to say about it, really, because that's the only formulated thoughts I have on the topic. But, but yeah, I do, in answer Ooh, to your question. Well, I,
0: I got some chills that entire time. I've heard a story <laughs> of Russian cave divers who heard, like, down – like, they went into a cave and there was this whole crack that went even further down deeper into the ground that they didn't even bother going into, but they dropped a microphone or they put it down on a wire anyway, into the crack and heard screams. Like we're picking up screams from deep within the earth somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember my friend was telling me about it and he, he, he pulled it up and showed it to me. And it was one of the most like, you know, skin tingling things I've ever heard in my life. And there have definitely been situations in my life where I have felt like you said a presence. Mm-hmm. It's just something like there's just some things you just can't explain. Yep. And there are some areas like pockets in the world I feel like where maybe those presences are more prevalent as you might say. So yeah. that's really interesting. I honestly wasn't sure what you were going to say with that. <laughs> so, I'm glad you I'm glad you uh do in some level believe on in the spirit realm and it being an effective thing i mean you can hear stories of people throughout the world who have nightmares of different things that they went through but in the nightmares they're visited by individuals or they're visited by people who were um who aren't actually there but it feels like they are Mm. and stuff like that is i don't know it's so interesting and then it's so funny to see how in a game like luigi's mansion 3 it is almost re- resorted to like spirits and ghosts are these goofy things that right. are lighthearted and and fun to suck up <laughs> yeah. um i was gonna tell a story about camp i actually took a um counseling position at a camp for summer and it was what I considered a spiritual battleground, of course, as a Christian, I believe in the spiritual realm, um, angels and demons and whatnot. And at the battleground, it was interesting just to see how these sorts of things were facing each other at night. Um, a lot of the time, I would I would feel like this pressure, um, and I remember there was this particular week where I had this dream. Um, at the beginning of the week, and it recurred the entire week, where it felt like someone was pushing on my chest. Um, and by the end of the week, the person that I was seeing push on my chest was one of my camp- campers who I was most concerned about. And I believe that there was, like, a, a battle going on around him. And I was just the one who was in charge. So there was a sort of attack occurring on me as well. Mm. Um, this last month with my recovery and everything I a lot of this has become even more clear and I have I have heard voices and seen things that I would not have seen in a regular setting mm. and that's that's where this starts to get interesting for me um, and and where it also begins to get more terrifying like <laughs> I'm like I can feel my throat like choking up just a little bit even thinking about this stuff but With that in mind, (laughs) we'll go ahead and uh, leave that for you guys to think about. Tell us what you think for sure. I mean, uh, I I think that there's a lot of different experiences that people have had that are unexplained and unexplainable. There are accounts that have occurred in history and whatnot um, and, and weird, weird forces that you can see at work. At bits and pieces in time. So if you guys have ever had something like that happen, if you've ever heard of those sorts of things and would like to write in, we would love to hear about that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Uh just out of at least my genuine curiosity. <laughs> 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 um but with that in mind, let's jump into the spookiest video game released in 2019. Luigi's Mansion 3 spoiler warning ahead for all those who may not be complete with the game or if it is something that you want to play just so you know we are going to be talking deep deep spoilers now luigi's mansion 3 jared you picked up before we even were talking about doing the sorts of things you picked it up out of
1: uh i'm assuming an actual desire to play the game what was it that drew you to the game you know it's funny since I got my switch there's been titles that I've been attracted to that I wouldn't have been otherwise and I think it's just because I love the format of the switch I've really really enjoyed this console and I've enjoyed the games I've played so far so it's kind of been out of a desire to just have more and more um in addition to that you know I've never played the Luigi's Mansion series which is acclaimed and you know I wanted to give it a shot
0: okay did you understand even going into it um what kind of game it was or was that kind of a part of the big discovery of it for you that
1: was part of the big discovery i really didn't have any expectations going in
0: yeah well it's a it's a i would call it a modern adventure game um i need to make sure we're defining what these games are cuz i noticed in last week's episode we hardly even like talked about like the actual like genre of the game other than the fact that it was open world but uh an adventure game at its bare bones is an exploration heavy, you're usually in one location and you're poking around the different parts of the, um, parts of the map, finding different items and whatnot. The original resident evil games were more adventure than they were like a third person action game. Mm-hmm. You have like text based adventure games that have gone on since the beginning of video games. And this one I would say is, is a nice sleek updated modern version with slick controls easy to understand parts of the um, environment and whatnot and um, exploration that is rewarded is probably the best way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Um, with, with a, an adventure game, you have like bits and pieces of it that can be fun and the bits and pieces of it that can be a little bit more of a drag. And I think Luigi's mansion kind of shows off both sides of that. It's a pretty character heavy game and I, I guess I'd ask you Jared what did you think of the actual characterization
1: and the characters that resided in the game the characters in the game um, you know my yeah. this game was my first introduction to Professor Egad. I found him charming you know kind of kind of quirky um, <laughs> yeah. genuine of course all of those things so you know I like that character is a reason they brought him back as well um, this is I love his gibberish his gibberish yeah. track line <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just funny um and uh, I have no idea what their relationship is, why they know each other or what. Apparently, they were like old friends in this game. So I uh, missed a little bit of history there because this is my first dip into the pool here. But no, I loved all the characters. I thought the Gooigi dynamic was cool. Um, the ghost variety was, was cool. Of course, I, have, I don't really have a frame of reference from beforehand. What I did like was – and this is you know a little bit towards the end though there, and I'm sure you'll mention it – is the dynamic with Mario and Peach – being part of the journey. I thought that was, I thought that was cool.
0: And, and then the juxtaposition of them against Luigi, who um, hilariously enough runs in terrifying fear from almost everything, especially at the beginning of the game. Um, It's almost like, why, why this guy? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And that was like what they went for in the very first title for sure. And something that I know resonated um, with a lot of people. And, the, the character of EGAD of course being this brilliant scientist who has figured out that ghosts exist and how he's going to be able to face them. I think it's funny that um, they keep getting all thrown together just for the sake of it. I mean EGAD even showing up it was literally just there because of the previous games um, and in that way the game I think is a little bit weak in that regard especially considering um, how much more of I don't know it, it, it feels it feels funny and a little like the premise of it feels a little forced in this game. Mm. They I feel like they were going for uh a very unique thing with the hotel but even just the way that the the story plays out it it was a little less exciting at least for me um and that is tied to characters like Egad. What what did you think of King Boo? Like was he was he interesting to you in any way? For me I find him incredibly intimidating for sure but I did roll my eyes a little bit when I saw that he was yet again the antagonist of this of this game.
1: You know, other than his cameos in Mario Kart or um, Mario Party occasionally, um, he, you know, my only experience with King Boo is from Mario Sunshine way back when, um, back with the GameCube. So to see him in this light was cool, um, kind of as an ultimate baddie. I really liked that. Um, yeah. So I, I found him... I, I You know, I wish they had done just a little bit more. I, I thought his character was pretty clear, though.
0: Yeah, no, I think he's he's really interesting. I love... Okay, I will say, I love the way that these games treat the booze. They're almost like the top spirits yep. of all these different ghosts and whatnot. And they're actually legitimately terrifying and hard <laughs> to catch in this game. Yeah. As compared to, you know, just the regular ghosts that appear, but... You know, in a Mario game, you can kind of just like run around them, jump and whatnot. Mario doesn't care a whole lot, but for Luigi, these guys are the worst of the worst. Yes, <laughs> and I love the way that that plays out. Um, the the difference I think between Mario's courage and Luigi's crippling fear is is well shown throughout the game, and it's got it gets Luigi in a lot of tight circumstances and a lot of sometimes eye rolling. Like oh, like there's a couple times where he would drop a hotel button or something like that and i would just be like no exactly like (laughs) like what are you doing now i have to go like chase this cat down or whatever and um parts of that i think were a little bit forced but i just think it's interesting to to see especially at the end of the game when you finally do again spoilers release mario before you're able to release peach and he courageously bounds towards the enemy and luigi's left kind of in his footsteps following along very slowly still terrified despite everything that he's done in the game
1: <laughs> it makes you wonder if mario would have gotten that place clean a lot faster
0: <laughs> right yeah it's like it's so funny it's like very clearly luigi is not the hero yes for the job but he's the one that has to do it <laughs> and uh just yeah all together like and speaking of the job i mean we could talk about the gameplay uh what did you think of the of the vacuum mechanics and everything that went alongside it. So
1: I made a little note here under 360 control of vacuum, you know, you can you when you first start the game, you're able to like move forward, sideways, backwards in in a singular direction and then the other Joy-Con, well the other joystick rather is used to like move vertically. And like mm-hmm. to the left, it's different. So I had to go in and change the settings because I was not having it. I was like, I don't even enjoy this. This is annoying to use. So I went into the yeah. settings and changed it so that he's omnidirectional. That means with just my uh, left handed joystick, uh, I can move him all over, and then the right joystick is the vertical axis up and down. And so I actually That was it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so I actually really enjoyed that just changing it. It makes it a lot simpler. Uh I think it limits you as far as the complexity of your movements. But it is right. it is um it's simpler to use. So I, I had to I enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, there's a bit of a mushiness I think with the with the three sixty control that, that can get in the way a lot of the time. Yes. Like um You'll you'll think you're at the right angle and you're just not yeah and it kind of it will throw off the, either the puzzle or whatever it is that you're trying to do and you can definitely get a better handle on it but I don't think anyone ever really does get a a full like I mean I, I I should probably just speak for myself but there's definitely like a little bit of a a messy feel to it that really does get annoying and frustrating it's interesting that you went and adjusted the settings I probably could have benefited from that as well although you do kind of miss out on the direction ability like being able to walk away from something while also pointing at it I assume right like that sort of thing you were giving up in your control but perhaps maybe worth it Um, of course the mechanics outside of the vacuuming are I think well used I, I, I liked the way that they were used in a lot of the puzzles and the way that you explore things but even them like some of them especially the uh a lot of the times with the plunger felt
1: a little obtuse yes Uh, i i would say it's not it's not a precision game
0: it's not it's not a precision game and and that's very clear in the plunger like and there was a lot of times where you needed to use it quickly yep especially in boss fights and whatnot and it was just annoying and frustrating that you weren't able to um because of the controls so there's definitely a little bit of an issue there um But with that being said, the controls, I think, were still fine for the game. And and the fact that this is an adventure game where you are kind of poking around, it's fun to kind of just walk up to stuff, to see what you can vacuum in the room, um, to find out that you can vacuum things or like do and interact with things in fun, little, unique ways. Um, A lot of the times you're rewarded with small, little collectibles. Um, More often than not, it's coins. But I found those little bits and pieces of things... Even throughout the entire games, like still rewarding and
1: fun to poke around in each and every
0: single room.
1: You're exactly right. I was very addicted to sucking up anything and everything I could find, and <laughs> and part of that was because it was. I want to cut that out, just like that specific. Version, so. <laughs> just you're gonna get me in trouble. Um, uh, I was. I really enjoyed. It was very. A, a, um, it was a very visceral feeling because the controller vibrates when you are sucking things up I loved that dynamic it actually made it very enjoyable uh, just to like oh I'm like literally it feels like it would as if you sucked up something uh, in a vacuum you weren't supposed to that's actually exactly how it feels (laughs) and I thought that was cool just that dynamic Um, but again it's not a precision game that led to some frustration for me there's a part where you're down in the basement and you have to like shoot air because you can blow out as well as um, suck in you have to shoot air at like pipes in a certain way and it's not yeah. it's not precise. So you have to with me when I changed the settings on the you know the omnidirectional thing it made it much more difficult. So to do it that way, you know, play my way. So uh right. it, not a precision game but definitely very satisfying <laughs> to do it. Yeah, no it is. And
0: and and that's where the the crux of it comes in where even though it wasn't exactly what I had hoped the feeling of the controls would be, it still was fun. And every room that you enter into, there's always something new and unique to kind of poke around in and interact with. And so that part was awesome. I will say, even though you have a bunch of tools at your disposal, it's never, not never, but a lot of times it's unclear which tool to use where. And sometimes there was even like no tool to use. I just had to walk up and touch something that I didn't realize I could interact with. Um, I had a lot of the time, like where I was saved by the polterpup pup who would show up and tell me exactly what I
1: needed to do. I am so <laughs> glad you said that because I had the exact same experience, and I was very disappointed in myself. I'm like, man, Josh is probably flying through this, and I'm just dumb. <laughs> like, no, I mean that's that's the thing. Sometimes
0: like the puzzles really do just make you feel dumb. Like you you're like, why didn't I think to do that? But at the same time, the game was kind of designed in a way. Um, where like that specific thing like for instance there was like there was one level it was the pyramid level I was wandering around the outside of the pyramid for so long because I didn't realize all I had to go do was just go touch one of the um, statues at the front of the pyramid and I didn't think to even go up to it I tried to suck it (laughs) I tried to (laughs) like push air at it I was trying to hit and I was doing everything that I knew throwing plungers at it using the dark light and whatnot and nothing was happening so like moments like that were frustrating but um it's funny to me i think the way that even just the polterpup is used throughout the game because he really is kind of the main star he saves (laughs) luigi more often than not from what happens and i i loved that aspect of him and of course he is there to encourage you he wakes you up if you die if you have the bones and whatnot so love that character he's super cute and i think it's hilarious that he's He's a ghost, and yet Luigi, the one who's most terrified of ghosts, is his master. Yeah. Um, Just like that dynamic for sure. Um, So the controls are what they are. The gameplay, the poking around is innately, I think, fun, but it really comes down to the floors. Oh, yeah. It's, of course, Luigi's Mansion 3, not even a mansion, so ill titled. Let's start with that because it's a hotel. Um, They're going, of course, on this trip. They show up. And obvious from the get go that there's something horrifically wrong. I don't know if you felt that way, but the masks that the ghosts are using <laughs> yeah. at the beginning were just like terrifying on their own. I thought those were even worse. <laughs> just the face or the lifeless eyes and the giant smiling face as yep. they're checking you in. <laughs> Didn't like that. Um, but the floor variety is really where this game, I think, shines. I would agree. Um, and that starts at the very beginning. I mean. Um, I don't want to jump through all of these floors. I think we could leave a lot of them unsaid, but I do want to touch on, because I do think they're the main draw of the game. I don't touch on quite a few. Before we do just kind of talk about the floors in general, what would
1: you say was your favorite floor? So my personal favorite was, uh, as it's titled, the Spectral Catch. Uh, and the, this floor is very, very simple. You, you come off the elevator onto, um, is it floor 12 or 11, I think? Um, it's not quite the final floor, but it's a couple below it. Um, and you, you come off the elevator and then you, it's pirate themed. So you, you have this immediate kind of like beachy pirate feel. There's only one little walkway and then the final boss fight. And it is just... Stunning the whole way. There's this yeah. giant ship in the back floating through fog in a hotel. <laughs> just the idea of it is uh, is entertaining to me because because of that. But it's a gorgeous, and this is where I'll just interject real quickly. This game is beautiful. It's so oh. it's so neon. It's so deep, rich blues and purples, uh, and I I just love the whole aspect of the game. The whole thing, game takes place at night, so this is eerie feel that pro like just like. It, it, it pervades the entire game. It's very enjoyable to look at. It's a very uh, uh, clean product for sure. But that was my favorite I, floor.
0: I definitely uh, agree with you there. I played most of the game in handheld, um, and you, you lose something with this game specifically. I think a lot of the other games where you play handheld, sometimes it's not a whole right. lot different between yeah. that and the screen. Right. But with this game, when you really do put it into the dock – and see it on the full on a full tv screen a nice um big wide tv the the colors pop the details are like you begin to realize how detailed each of these rooms are everything that's involved in each of the like every single door you go through there's something interesting unique on the other side and it's beautiful like this entire thing and, and I agree with you there and, and and the way that they take the different biomes um, I said themed biomes a la dead space not quite like dead space but um, the concept there of course is in dead space you're you're in one specific ship but you have different floors and different parts of the ship including the engine room including a garden area um, that are tied together via a train and in that same way the hotel um, elevator, acts like that here where you're jumping from biome to biome essentially yep. um starting with just regular hotel looking stuff and getting all the way to a pirate themed area which doesn't make a whole
1: lot of sense in a hotel <laughs> <but> <laughs> no, still it. awesome yeah i would no, I, I, uh, I would just say like that was that was definitely my favorite floor but in addition the other floors that were also my favorites were just as stunningly beautiful, the garden suites were very pretty uh, to yes. me, and and then my favorite was uh, spoiler alert, huge spoiler alert is when you get onto the tomb suites and you okay. walk you walk through and the lightning flashes behind this giant dinosaur, uh, yes. and its head changes position as you walk further down the hallway. Just little touches like that interspersed throughout the the whole uh, hotel were my favorite parts of the game
0: yeah no i agree and it's 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 probably the garden suites i would say that specific part where i really started to dig the different varieties that were going yes on. um i i was kind of there with the uh, the great stage i really liked that boss actually yep. where you're fighting in an auditorium um, and that makes more sense for a hotel but i was i was fighting kind of the um I don't know, the disjointed aspect of the rooms until I got to the Gardener Suites, at which point I I was like, Okay, I'm all in. I like I like the variety here and I like all the different parts and um, how each boss is very different. Actually, the boss for the spectral catch one you brought up was my personal favorite. Yeah. Almost like the most legitimately terrifying boss as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shark, obviously, so he comes in and he's um, like very piratey and very different just because he's not a human a humanoid ghost right um and then he inhabits the ship that you're on and turns the entire thing against you and luigi has to really think out of the box to survive and i really loved just that little touch and and i actually both there's a couple of levels i think there's three total where it's not very much more than a boss fight um and i found those to be typically a little disappointing except for that one um, the pirate-themed one really, I think, i it was a showstopper. Yeah. And, um, really enjoyed it for that reason. I would say my favorite one out of all of them has to go to the tomb suites, um, the the uh, pyramid level because that one I think was i thought was going to be just a regular like quick boss fight or something or something kind of boring and it turns into a whole lot more yep um as you fall into the pyramid and i loved that being able to explore that and then the puzzles themselves getting out of there despite having to fight the controls sometimes uh were well worth it and a ton of fun so um the floors are really where these the variety comes in where the personality comes in um the different Ghosts that you fight on each level are interesting and hilarious. One of them, like the the fitness center, I thought was great. Yeah, and I thought the enemy in that was awesome and very interesting and unique way to have to take him down. Uh, and, and that also goes for a couple of the other ones that are like messing with you the entire time before you go actually fight them, including yep. the magicians and the mechanic boss. Um, which was an interesting level. What did you like the boiler work specifically? What did you think of
1: that floor? So is that what you mean when you say disjointed the fact that you kind of jump around a little bit or what did you mean? I was going to ask you,
0: I mean like the, it doesn't like initially it doesn't feel like you're in the same place the whole time. Like the outside of it being tied to the elevator, like it was hard for me to believe that I was in like, it, it definitely felt like we were just in totally different places in every level. And at first, I didn't dig that. Um, I really... I, and I think that might be because of my experience with, specifically, Luigi's Mansion 2. Probably. Dark Moon. Um, yeah. Where it is tied very heavily into, um, well, a mansion aesthetic. And most of the levels that are in there were just slight variations. Whereas this is completely new... Like, a completely new theme, a completely new setting for each one. Um, I just i missed that at first just like the the way that the haunted mansion had felt was very much like one big dark house yes that you had to walk into each room and figure out whereas this
1: one was kind of it felt more theme park in a way It did um and you only and ever you only ever get the sense that you're in the mansion when a level connects to an outside balcony that's really right. the only time that you get that feel no i'm with you i understand now i understand where you're coming from yeah
0: no and i, and I definitely miss that um but uh, speaking of the boiler works specifically, I actually did enjoy the fact that it's like, okay, you get a basement too. Very interesting. Yep. And you go down into the boiler works. Um, and the boss, of course, is throwing all kinds of um, difficult situations at you before you even get to them. But I was asking, what did you think of the, the mechanics there? I know that we had talked about that being something that was frustrating beforehand.
1: Yeah. I remember mentioning that I had watched a YouTube review after I'd played a couple levels of Luigi's mansion and, um, and one of the, the reviewers had complained about that level and I got down there, um, and disagreed with him entirely. I got down there like kind of right after I watched him do that review and I disagreed with him entirely. I thought it was very simple. I'm not sure what he was complaining about the, (laughs) you, you kind of, you're sitting in a floaty and you, you, you suck the, with a the vacuum and you head in the direction that you're pulling. I don't understand what he found so difficult. I was like I thought I was the casual gamer here. Um but he yeah, I thought that was fine. And I liked that I liked that you do go from some floor to the basement because I feel like that encompasses the reality of what an entire hotel would need. Um, right. you know what I'm saying? And it had these massive industrial boilers and I was like, well, that makes sense. Once you get to the, you need, you realize that shark needs a whole like ocean <laughs> to float a boat on in the top that, yeah, floor. <laughs> <That> makes <sense. laughs>
0: But I guess that is how it all ties together. So then, um, what would you say was your least favorite?
1: You know, that's a good question. Um, I could
0: tell you what mine is. Go ahead. Um, and only because I got stuck for a little while. It was the Castle McFrights one, and that one I was something where I think I started to feel how disjointed it actually was, mm. um, the way that each level was very different. All of a sudden, I was in a medieval area, and it was mm-hmm. kind of weird, mm-hmm. and 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 that wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but then I got stuck, um, and that was when I realized how important Guiji is to this game at certain at certain points, but um, how how off how much they hadn't utilized him up until then um and i think that's what really threw me off i didn't there was a particular puzzle i couldn't figure out and it ended up just being a guiji solution um and i hadn't even thought about it because up until that point i hadn't been using him very much Mm -hmm. outside of going into a couple events so and that was where the game like the flaws really began to show themselves to me a little more obviously it was a little disjointed The puzzle solving was a bit obtuse. um, And the way that they incorporated Gooigi, I think, was great. But I I definitely wanted more of it up until that point. And I think after that, it really does shift. You start to use him a lot more. And he is a lot more of a uh, puzzle solving aficionado. But I I think that that just that whole level and everything, uh, the boss fight as well was very frustrating for me because I didn't realize what specific mechanic I needed to use. Um, once I figured it out, though, you know, it was simple enough. Um, but that was where I feel like the game kind of really made me have to take a step back and be like, okay, I can see the flaws, but I still got to push through. And, and, and after being able to kind of recognize those parts of it, I did enjoy myself a little bit more. But, um, yeah, that was definitely my least
1: favorite level. Mm. You know, um, I liked that one because I thought it was visually appealing. Um, I'm a sucker, obviously, for how things look and stuff. I think the the one that annoyed me the most was probably the Twisted Sweets, the Magician one, mm, just because yes. it, it felt tedious at that point in the game. Um, I yes, don't know. I agree. I, th- I think it's because you have to run around and then it's also very linear. Like The final room doesn't connect back to the elevator, so you have to go all the way back through and then <laughs> all right. the way back through, and then you also have to follow the cat back through that level again. And oh, yes, so I no, thought that we, we level anno- talk about the cat. annoyed me the most because so tedious, <laughs> but um, no, I, you I, know, it's interesting that you you say Goigi is an important part of the game. Yes, but he's also the reason why co-op kind of sucks because right. because you have to you have to let go of Luigi to get Goigi to move, and oftentimes you know that's how you play solo but oftentimes guiji moves to an entirely different area and so the other player is literally twiddling their thumbs while you do something and then you go back and they do something and co-op was kind of a bummer to be honest
0: no i agree the co-op aspect was interesting i liked how they were attempting to incorporate it but it did leave a lot of dead time for either the guiji or the luigi whoever was um had to fix it and because it's such a puzzle heavy game whoever was tackling the puzzle was the only one having fun yes exactly (laughs) And the first time I played through the game I played all the way through to Paranormal Productions um, before I I, like I mentioned last episode I ended up throwing my switch off of the top of a roof so um, (laughs) I had to completely restart but um, and actually Paranormal Productions loved the um, look of it I loved that the ghost in that level wasn't even hostile yeah all he wanted to do was complete his film <laughs> and he's like this dramatic you know director who yeah. is trying like woe is me where where's my um he's like asking for his i think his like speaking director thing and he yeah. doesn't have all the parts he needs to finish his beautiful movie yeah um and then you can go after you like beat the boss and whatnot which is just a a big ghost in a costume that looks like um godzilla you can actually go into the director's room and suck up the director ghost anyway, even yeah. though he did nothing wrong to you yeah. the entire time. <laughs>
1: That's what I did. I'm a heartless person. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love yeah, that I mean, you, you posted that clip on Twitter of the little Godzilla thing, which I thought was hilarious. I actually yeah. laughed out loud, Luigi, like, oh, no, it's slow motion. I actually did enjoy that level quite a bit for a good laugh.
0: And I would say like that, that actually brings up another point about the game. Um, and we can kind of transition away from the floors at this point, but it is a genuinely funny game. Yes. Um, And it's full of personality on that level. Like um, Professor EGAD is hilarious in little ways. Guigi, his expressionless face compared to Luigi, who is terrified at all times, I think was was used for some laughs at quite a few moments. And then um, the the ghosts themselves were interesting and funny at different times. But um, I would say despite that there's definitely some good parts there's definitely some bad parts and then there's definitely some I don't know uh just some frustrating aspects especially with the puzzles themselves. there there are some Um,
1: funny parts one of the I can picture an intern coming up to the director the game director and saying what if Luigi was able to suck up a toad and shoot him (laughs) 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 on the the spectral catch when you can when you can you can actually suck up toad and launch him off the port of the boat and he just disappears (laughs) and (laughs) I just I got some sadistic joy out of that but that's you know the game is legitimately funny yes no, I totally agree, and um
0: with that said, what would you say just to wrap up the floor side, what would you say was your
1: favorite boss fight out of all of them? You know, I really did enjoy the semi final boss, the hotel owner. I just love that dynamic i had to okay, I had to be on my a game to balance. How I was using Guiji and keep Luigi alive at the same time, switching right. switching back and forth, and then Guiji would die uh, because they'd fl- you know his weakness is and they'd flush the tunnels, and then I'd have to reset him. I actually really enjoyed the the boss owner, the hotel owner fight. That was my favorite.
0: You know, I would I would agree um, that that one was probably the most fleshed out and interesting one. Yes, my personal favorite outside of the shark, which I think I said um, that one was great, was actually the the second to last floor, I believe the DJ, the DJ. Um, yeah. I loved this, the, the way that it looked, the way that yep. it played out, the way you're on a dance floor and you had to like really avoid all the dancing ghosts. Yeah. all And they were all tricked up at that point. like, um, you know, you go through the game and you kind of had to figure out how to take things off of ghosts and how to, um, um, get, get them to the point where you can actually fight and suck them into your vacuum. And that, really, I think, demonstrated a lot of the little bits and pieces coming together and blending all the different puzzle aspects of the game into one solid boss fight. And I think the last boss does the same thing. Um, Not so much King Boo, but the hotel owner, Mm -hmm. uh, like you mentioned. And so
1: that one would definitely be my favorite. I loved the Um, variety in the bosses. Every single one of them was actually distinctly unique. I agree. No, and, and, and they
0: all challenged you in different ways yes. and as I went along I enjoyed that more and more at first it was like I said a bit frustrating um, but that final boss I love the hype build up to it I love yep. how Mario was like come on like run, like you're yep. running up these stairs and you go actually outside the hotel and onto the top of the hotel um, and then the King Boo fight itself was intense um, and well worth the entirety of and, and, and well worth beating the game I would say it was one of the biggest set pieces of the entire thing and i just loved the different concepts they went into it Uh, before we close out though jared i want us to just hit a couple last few things um really i want to bring up a gripe of mine that i think i had more than any other part of the game and that was the polter kitten crap (laughs) now did you did you like
1: those parts where the backtracking You know, it's funny. I, I think the reason I didn't like it is because I just wasn't in the mood when they brought it up. It Mm. was like the, the, what is it? Two times that you have to fight or three times maybe. I Um, think it's, yeah, three. I think it's three. So, so you have to face Polterkitten and backtrack through multiple levels to chase down this stupid cat. And, um, you know, I don't know. I just didn't feel like I needed to revisit each floor. You yeah. know, it was just kind of annoying at the time. I don't. I don't have a problem with the concept. I just think I was like, every time it happened, I was like, ugh. So maybe I did. I was a little annoyed by it, but
0: yeah. I think it was just it was it was one extra thing too much. Like, the levels themselves were full of puzzle solving and and difficult moments in and of themselves. We didn't need that one extra thing. And how many times it happened too it was just like great. And every time that the cat pops up, you know you're about to go on a wild goose chase. Yep. And that's just. Wasn't fun, I would say. Um, despite that, though, the game itself is great. Um, I'd give it a eight point five out of ten for quality. Like I think it's well worth the purchase, um, especially if you have someone maybe who would like to play along with you. Although the co op option does kind of get a little. Uh, frustrating at times, and we didn't even touch on the other multiplayer stuff. I would say those were a bit tacked on. That's um, right.
1: I yeah, I would agree with you. I don't even think we need to really go into them. They're pretty straightforward. You just continue using Luigi's tools, and you kind of play in a different. You know, here's here's. I will say this. I do like the online play. Um, that you get to clear out hotel floors and search for ghosts. I actually really do like that. But the the thing is, is that my experience with that actual service has been poor. Like constantly mm. dropped teammates logging in and out all the time. Like it's not right. like it's not like Apex or Fortnite or something. It's it's not yeah. it's not as clean. So
0: no, no, definitely not.
1: So uh, with
0: all that said, Jared, what do you think? I'd really only give it a
1: seven point five. Okay, yeah, seven point five out of ten. So, yeah
0: with that in mind, do you think it should be entered into the hall of games?
1: You know, it's not a bad game, but not really. I just wasn't blown away.
0: Okay. You know, I, I think I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that. Yeah. The, uh, the reality is it's a nice quaint game. It's a fun, charming Nintendo piece. um, And it was perfect for the Halloween time and whatnot. And um, it's, it's, it's enjoyable for sure but i don't think it's good enough to enter into the hollow games either so unfortunately we're gonna have to pass and this is gonna be our very first pass and that is the pleasure all goes to luigi's mansion 3 i guess (laughs) i guess it's not pleasurable (laughs) um and that's it that's it for us this week so thanks for listening guys um this has been bar's backlog and of course like i said before you can reach out to us via twitter you can reach out to us on email josh at gmail.com and um you know what i would also say before we log out um and jared i can i'll ask you for any final thoughts you may have as we wrap up but um i i want to say Like, if you guys want to help the podcast in any way, shape, or form, right now I'm working on getting a Patreon together, um, and that'll be something that launches sometime this year. In the meantime, what can really help a podcast is reviews. I know everyone asks for reviews, but it really does boost our viewability Um, if you go into iTunes podcasts themselves leaving of course only five star reviews please no more than no less than that I'd rather (laughs) you not leave a review at that point (laughs) although be honest you're right and then um, if you write a review actually I would love to read it here on the air. So um, before we head out, Jared, do you have any other final thoughts?
1: No. I mean, it's one of those things where you can you can give a, a recommendation of a game, but you can't give a strong recommendation. So I think I agree mm. with our final decision for sure. All right. Well,
0: then we will have to discard Luigi's Mansion from being accepted into the Hall of Games. And uh, we look forward to two weeks from now when we tackle the next one. Sounds good. And what that is, we will reveal at a later date. Thanks for listening, all, and have a good day. See ya.